We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I'm the host, as always. And joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How you doing today? Great, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay. It's uh, the last day of my 20s, uh, so it's it's a little <laughs> weird getting ready to be 30 years old tomorrow. Uh, my coworkers today were all making fun of me, and one of my coworkers, who I've become really good friends with, had like a, a dead man walking sign up in my office today. So it's uh, it's a little bit weird, but I'm doing good, doing good overall. Thirty going on death. That's that's great. I'm <laughs> glad thirty is the new hundred and fifty. Apparently, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I, I guess so. Lots to look forward to for everybody else that we work with on the show that is younger than me. So uh, yeah, Arjun, happy twenty uh, second birthday. Yeah, I don't even remember what I was doing at twenty two. I'm twenty eight. So it's not like I'm that much older, but yeah, twenty two years old, man, pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I always tend to forget how much younger Arjun is than the rest of us. I mean, we've been working with him for about three years now, so he was barely able to be, you know, an adult when we were working with him first. So yeah, yeah, we went to Vegas for the draft two years ago, and he couldn't even like (laughs) (laughs) while we were there. So yeah, the most the most boring the most boring Vegas trip ever. Uh, uh, A minor and uh, and somebody who doesn't drink and somebody else who can't drink. So uh there you go this is yeah. fun though um all right lots to get into today uh tyler and i have uh prepared a really fun episode we're going to talk about eight questions that we would ask mr adam peters if we had the chance to do that um he's obviously the number one uh gm candidate and we felt like this is a good way to kind of balance the the you know resume aspect as well as kind of diving into what makes him a unique candidate. We're also going to do the same thing for uh, Jim Harbaugh for what it's worth, um, you know, after he uh, potentially wins the national championship on Monday. So we'll have some some fun conversation there. Uh, but there's been a lot of information coming out about obviously the season is ending. So a lot of these candidates, uh, whether that's a coaching side or GM side, there's a lot of new information coming out. And there are still a lot of fans, a lot of our listeners who are championing Mr. Bill Belichick as the future head coach of the Chargers. And um, there was a great article, uh, greatly written article, I should say, by Doug Kayed, um, as well as Chad Graff from The Athletic. Um, Doug's not from The Athletic, but um, you know, uh, Chad Graff is. So two different articles um, about Mr. Bill Belichick and why things are trending so south there. So we uh, of course, had to discuss it. Normally, we don't discuss Patriots stuff on here, but uh, Bill Belichick is such a hotly connected name to the Chargers job. We have to dive into that. So it should be a fun one um, that we'll dive into today. Yeah, uh, Josina Anderson pointed out that the Chargers are interested in these four candidates and have reached out to them or, or something. I don't know. Um, again, 
team without coach interested in good candidate. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Um, but still, some of the stuff that comes out, you know, how much of it is true? How much of it is, you know, just from someone grumbling? I don't know, but still have to talk about it because we can only talk about what we find out from other people and what the information the, the media gives us. And frankly, Doug Kayette is actually one of those legitimately plugged in breaks news kind of guys. I mean, he went and just like walked into the Boston Herald and immediately just started breaking all the news. I mean, he was just, yeah. he's the bomb. So what, what he reports here, if anything came from him, I, I do actually trust. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of smoke going around, uh, coaching hires, GM hires, everything. Less on the GM front, but definitely a lot of things to discuss on the on the coaching front. Um, just to clarify kind of the timeline here, the, the NFL has been very strict on the head coaching hiring process. They've made several changes over the last two years. They tweaked the Rooney rule. So these teams interviewing for head coaching candidates, they first of all have to interview at least two minority coaches before they can hire anybody else. And that's external candidates. So they can't just interview... Derek Ansley and uh, Chris Beattie and call it good. Like they have to go find external candidates that they're looking to interview. Um, they also cannot have in-person interviews um, until after the divisional round is over. So I know everybody wants Jim Harbaugh, but they literally cannot hire him without doing a search. And that search really cannot begin in earnest until after the divisional round of the playoffs. So um Unfortunately, you have to be patient a little bit. There's going to be a lot of smoke. There's been a lot of smoke. There will continue to be a lot of smoke. And uh, it's on us on, uh, ultimately to decide what is real and what is not real. So we're going to do some of that today with Bill Belichick as well as Adam Peters. Yep, let's get into it. The Bill Belichick stuff. Sorry, some of you can't read this, but there was so much to unpack. Had to fit it all in the one slide. So yeah, a lot to get into. Yeah, so like Tyler mentioned, this is via Doug Kayette and Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. There was also that article from The Athletic that I mentioned earlier. Um, the biggest, I guess, shock uh, that came out of this article is that Bill Belichick, after the 2022 season, wanted to keep Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Again, I, I repeat, he wanted to keep Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, Matt Patricia is calling plays on the defensive side of the ball uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. Apologies, Alex, for that. Um, and then Robert Kraft is obviously the one who pushed for changes for Bill O'Brien. Um, Bill O'Brien was the only candidate of the five hired uh, of the five coordinators that they interviewed with uh, coordinator experience. The rest were ex players. Um, Bill O'Brien wanted to build his own offensive staff and Bill Belichick denied him and allowed just one specific hire um, lawing the tight end coach. Uh, as Tyler points out, the Herald cannot confirm. Um, and there's a lot of internal finger pointing at decision makers regarding available talent. So there's, there's a lot of things going on in New England right now that have kind of that are leading to the decline of the New England Patriots and, and ultimately why Bill Belichick it could potentially be parting ways uh, with this team or trading him or whatever the case may be. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff going on here that is definitely worth discussing as a potential head coaching candidate for the Chargers. Yeah, we've discussed at length many of the reasons we don't want Bill Belichick, whether it's drafting or Matt Patricia or just even not that age is always a factor, but how much longer do you want to coach? Does Justin Herbert have a coach for the next 10 years or, or, or five years or two years? What is it? So a lot of reasons to consider other candidates. And of course, Jim Harbaugh is my number one or he's my number 43rd, depending on which Twitter person you ask, but whatever. <laughs> um, the real surprise here, though, was... Not just that Bill Belichick hired Matt Patricia. We knew that, and that is a red flag. It's that, reportedly, he wanted to keep Matt Patricia after watching what they saw on offense, Yeah, and they wanted to, quote-unquote, grow together. Like, let's let's keep growing and become better. Uh, no thank you. And I guess, thankfully, Robert Kraft pushed for changes to Bill O'Brien. Not that the offense has been great, but, again, the drafting, adding Matt Patricia as is, that really sent Mac Jones on a downward spiral. And it does feel like, because I think there were, what, 20 people interviewed for this article? A good handful of people interviewed for this. Mm -hmm. And they all felt like the system around Mac Jones is really what caused the decline. Not necessarily Mac Jones. He was dealt a bad hand and not helped by the people around him whatsoever. Thankfully, Robert Kraft pushed for changes. And if you're a Chargers fan, considering Bill Belichick going to the Chargers, Bill Belichick is not going to listen to Dean Spanos. Like he's going to go here 
with the intention and the assumption that he's in full control. Yeah. Someone like Robert Kraft, you know, as the owner and someone they have a, a more of a closer relationship with can push for these things. And so Bill Belichick will bend and, and will, you know, just make a couple of changes um, at Robert Kraft's uh, behest. But Dean Spanos, not going to happen. So to me, you know, the argument, and it, it bugs me, the argument I see for Bill Belichick, the number one one outside of, okay, so outside of like he won Super Bowls years ago, yeah, is that he does not have Justin Herbert in New England and that now by going to the Chargers, he would just fix the defense and Justin Herbert would be the quarterback that he doesn't have. But to me, and, and reading through this article and reading through even what's just here, it really just seems like, Bill Belichick, sure, he could fix the defense. And the, the article said as much that Bill Belichick was pointing out things that were going to happen the next game. That happened. Like they were, in terms of what was on film and prep, it was all there. The coaching is there, especially on defense. Yeah. But it just sounds like they're going to, and Bill Belichick and this group is going to unfairly put even more pressure on Justin Herbert. And there's no way as a fan of this team the last few years, I can look at a coaching candidate and say, Yes, let's put more pressure on Justin Herbert. Like, sure, the defense will be better. It will be. It can't be worse. But there are so many other defensive head coach candidates out there who are showing that. Find a veteran head coach or former head coach. You can be a defensive. You know, Dennis Allen might be available. I'd much rather have an offensive mind headed coach and Dennis Allen than Bill Belichick and just praying that Justin Herbert can carry the offense. By the way, this offense needs a center, a tight end, a running back, another receiver, another tight end, another running back, a swing tackle. And, at, and then what's going to happen after Keenan Allen? What does this team look like without Keenan Allen in a year or two, however long it takes? Bill Belichick's going to go draft the heir apparent, the next guys, Nikhil Harry, you know, Tyquan Thornton in the second round. That's what we're doing here. So I, I just, I'm, I'm just so, I understand the rationale for, for thinking of Bill Belichick. And put him in your top 10, maybe even your top five. But to me, as a fan of this team, and after watching what Justin Herbert has had to go through, really since college, but certainly in the NFL, I'm not going to go get a coach that puts more stress on him and unnecessarily so. Sometimes there's just like a, you know, the coach or the coordinator doesn't really do anything for Herbert, but Herbert still goes and executes and performs. Sure. It's almost like intentional sabotage what Belichick does in New England for Mac Jones. It's one thing to be a bad coordinator or a bad play caller or head coach or whatever. It's another to put your, your, your quarterback in a worse situation. I just, I can't stand it. I cannot, to me, go find a, a different defensive mind to make the defense middle of the pack. And by the way, it's not like the Patriots defense has been number one. It's, it's not like they're the best defense in the league. And this is a for sure thing. So I just, the whole thing is frustrating. This is really only just like, the rest of it this doesn't really change my mind it just really kind of cements how we've been feeling yeah i think we have always stated that like yeah like bill belichick will have the defense playing better 100 you know they obviously do not have christian gonzalez they've had a mess at corner matthew judon has missed a lot of time and they're like 12th in epa per play so like objectively great job coaching the defense he's one of the best defensive minds in the history of football regardless of level 100 percent it's everything else and like everything that we've talked about during this hire is alignment whether that is ownership gm head coach offensive coordinator that's been an issue with the chargers and it's a bigger issue with the patriots i mean this is a guy who has instead of embracing changes in the nfl instead of embracing analytics and and, and growing coaching staffs and different ideas He's gotten things so tightly wound in New England that he just has his hands everywhere and nothing is working out. I mean, like, again, really, people think if you want, like, Matt Patricia is going to be available. Like, are we cool with Matt Patricia being an offensive coordinator? It's just, it's wild to me how much of a a kind of like boa, boa constrictor approach that Bill Belichick has to putting together his staff. Um, Chad Graff of The Athletic pointed this out. Most coaching staffs today are like 25 assistants at minimum. And a lot of coaching staffs are, you know, 12, 13, 14 offensive assistants because you want to have this kind of balancing act of like position coaches and ideas and schemers. And like, 
you want to have a run game coordinator and a and a pass game coordinator and like that's kind of where the sport is going bill belichick has eight offensive assistants this year and 18 total he has the smallest coaching staff in the league he has one of the worst and least productive offensive coaching staffs in the league he has one of the smallest scouting staffs in the league because he does everything and that's another point here Bill Belichick believed in his own evaluation ability so much that he decided to head into the season with Calvin Anderson, Trent Brown, and Riley Reef as your starting as your main three offensive tackles. Like it, it's such a failure from from top to bottom that the Patriots literally do not have an analytics staff. Like it does not exist. And I know that there are people who listen to this show and, and Chargers fans who, after the last few years, are like, "I hate analytics, all that stuff," but. Analytics absolutely has a place in the sport right now. And the best front offices use analytics to find ways to, you know, gain advantages in terms of roster talent. The Patriots are, instead of doing new ideas, modern offenses, modern defenses, modern front office approach, Bill Belichick has reduced all of that to this is my way or the highway at every little turn. And if that's your thing, if that's what you want for the Chargers, more power to you. I want zero part of that around Justin Herbert. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know they didn't have an analytics department. That's even worse. Analytics has the, the word analytics has gained the eye roll among, I would say more so the older media members or, or football heads or whatever, only because it's a it's a go for it or not go for it for it thing. Right. Like they think it's just it's just the fourth down situation stuff. Um, and people would still say like, oh, this is why Staley got fired. It's not. Uh, it, there's many other reasons why. The, the, the fourth down decisions are not why he got fired in the end. But there's so much else that goes into it in so many different ways they look into it. I've I've been listening to different you know, GM candidates speak, and they speak about analytics, and it did, they don't just apply. I don't even think they even talk about the football side of things, like the actual on-field stuff. They talk about how do we find an edge in the draft? How do we find an edge? in value of picks in free agency like that's what they're going after yeah and you know if, if the patriots did not have analytics or analytics department and they were drafting well and getting good value i'd say hey okay you know what you got a system that works you trust your scouting department whatever fine but they're not even drafting well unless christian gonzalez falls into your lap after yeah. trading back which is nuts but you know sometimes you get lucky i guess i'm just yeah it, it's a it's a tough situation there's so many things to get into. There's so many things in that article that we don't even have listed here about how they have people interviewing for one spot and then like they kind of go help over here in a different spot. Like it's just, it's a complete mess. And the Chargers are looking for a GM candidate and, and, and Bill Belichick is one technically who you know reimagines what it means to be a GM and yeah. is different and cutting edge. This is the complete opposite. Uh, the culture change sure there's probably a, a difference you know the 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 patriot way i guess but that's not exactly the same thing without tom brady maybe it never is anything without tom brady i just i'm not banking all this on that and then oh by the way you gotta pray they fire bill belichick because you're not trading for him so not only are you gonna go get bill belichick who might tank the offense but then he's gonna go you're gonna have to give up your first round pick for the next couple of years or whatever it is to go get him I mean, I'm just I'm just so far out on the idea. Uh, I there are plenty of veteran head coaches that I think are better fits. They don't have as many Super Bowls. I get that, but it's been a while, and I think I just rather have these other coaches who have better departments they can bring with them, who are on winning teams, who have drafted well, or have been on teams that have drafted well, or bring GM candidates that draft well. I, sorry, at this point, I'm 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 completely out. Unless Bill Belichick shows up and says, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to change everything that I could possibly do. Everything's going to be different at age 73. I promise I'm going to flip everything that I've ever done the last four or five years. So unless you can promise me that, I'm out. Yeah, a 73-year-old is going to change everything about his personal and professional identities. That's totally going to happen. Um, I've said this uh, reference to the article from Chad Graff. The other thing that he pointed out, since 2013... The Patriots have not signed any of their first three round draft picks to second contracts. Think about where the Chargers are at with Tom Telesco on the roster for re-signing just like two of their second round picks or third round picks. And then 
you have the first round picks that they have re-signed too. Imagine where they would be if none of the first three round picks across 10 years have not gotten second contracts. It's wild to me. Like if you, if we pulled everybody listening and said, what are the five most important attributes for a head coaching candidate? What are the five most important uh, attributes for a GM candidate? How many does Bill Belichick realistically hit? Solving the defense and game day preparation. I don't know if that would be one specifically. Definitely, he checks those boxes. But everything else, it's it's a minus. Like there are so many red flags here that, objectively speaking, we have to talk about. And like this is like he's the greatest coach of all time. Like objectively. But as a head coaching candidate in 2024, there are so many more red flags than there are anything positive about Bill Belichick right now. And it's and it sucks. Yeah. This is part of this is part of football. Every coach goes through this, but I, I want zero part of this. And it kind of sounds like there's not that many teams that would be interested in hiring him at this point either. Like I know that people are saying that, like, oh, the Chargers are interested. I don't really know if they're that interested. I think they'll do their I think they will do their due diligence regarding Bill Belichick. I would be kind of surprised if they really go down this route personally. Again, I don't have any information there right now. Um, but just based off of like the vibe and like the things that they're looking for, I, I just have a hard time believing that like Bill Belichick checks all these boxes for them. Yeah, as do I. It's I just I hope he's great elsewhere. I don't want to be the team that finds out. He's the how do I say the Trevor Penning? The Trevor Penning, yes, he's the Trevor Penning of head coach candidates. That's uh, yeah, that's a good way of putting that. Uh, if you remember that show, you remember that show. But uh, yeah, man, I'm just like the more you read about the way things have gone over the last four years, like it it it. The this article made it sound like Tom Brady and everybody, like the players, won that Super Bowl in 2019 almost to like spite him. Like it, it didn't sound like a collective, like coaching staff and players were like on the same page. I read that as like the players were like trying to win in spite of him, not for him. I, I didn't catch that part. So yeah, great. Yeah. Anyways. So this is like, again, respect him. Best coach of all time. Mm -hmm. The defense would be so much better, but uh, I'm just not interested. Yeah, I agree there. All right, switching gears. <laughs> all right, switching gears to uh, Adam Peters, a guy we both really love. <laughs> that we are very excited about. Uh, before we get to them, have to tell you guys about Prize Picks. Uh, this is obviously a, a daily fantasy app that we've partnered with for this season. It's a uh, super easy to use, fun way to get some extra skin in the game. Uh, you can have any kind of daily specials. Sometimes you can do NBA and NFL picks together. We're a few hours away, uh, or a few days away, actually. I forgot there wasn't Thursday Night Football tonight. Uh, a few days away from having a great uh, Saturday of, of NFL games. You know, Obviously, there's the College National Championship on Monday. Daily Fantasy is a great way, and Prize Picks is the best way to do that. So... Tyler, I don't know if you have any specific Chargers picks this week. It's, it's been so tough with all these guys injured. Uh, last week, I, I was able to hit on a few of them, thanks to Khalil Mack and that uh, final sack, as well as Cameron Dicker. But I don't know if you had any uh, prize picks of the week this week. I do not. I have struggled to really find any. I think last year for the law or not last week for the longest time, they didn't even have any because they weren't even sure he was going to play. Yeah. Um, I don't think they had any Broncos ones. Yeah, I, there there are no Chargers ones available right now. So I typed in Chargers. I don't see any. So I don't believe there are any Chargers options available to anyone right now. So that's the state of the team. Yeah. And the Chiefs are playing a bunch of backups. So either way, uh, we encourage you guys to use prize picks. It's, it's super fun to use. We've used it all season long. Um, you can go to prizepicks.com slash guilty. Use the code guilty at checkout for a deposit match up to $100. Again, NFL. College football, college basketball, NBA, all that stuff is available on Prize Picks. Have to also tell you about Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, we all know how well pizza and football go together. I definitely have uh, had my fair share of slices on NFL game day. Uh, we encourage you to go use the Pizza Portal pickup, free delivery, 
all that good stuff at Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers on game days. Beautiful. Go eat some pizza. Be happy. If the game doesn't make you happy, pizza will. <laughs> 100%. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, let's get to Adam Peters, the objectively number one GM candidate right now. This is kind of a fun way for us to go over his resume, pick some, uh, pick our brains about what makes Adam Peters such a great candidate uh, because he is like the number one uh, GM candidate out there. So we'll see what happens there. Hopefully the Chargers are able to get an interview at least with him and uh, and pick his brain a little bit as well. Sorry, my screen completely bugged for two seconds there. All right. So first one, uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll start with this first one. We're sort of going in order here of his career, and I promise they're not all word walls like this, but learning from mistakes, because I I do want to ask about this looking over the Broncos history. So we're sort of playing with this like we'd be asking him the question. Some of it is more background to give you guys, so we'll say more than we would typically would have asked. Um, But a question I would ask is, in 2014, you were promoted to be the Denver Broncos Assistant Director of College Scouting for two seasons, and then you became the Director of College Scouting. The Broncos' first and second round picks in those drafts were Bradley Roby, Cody Latimer, Shane Ray, Tyson Brylow, Paxton Lynch, and Adam Gotsis. What did you learn from these early selections that carried that you carried with you to San Francisco? I'm, I'm basically really asking, wow, those didn't work. <laughs> What did you learn from that? Yeah, I think this is it, it's important to go over like everything from a candidate like we just did with Bill Belichick. His days in Denver were not as like inspiring as as you would hope. Obviously, you know, he's not the GM there. We don't know like how to divide credit there. But, you know, the the Broncos were in this kind of era of like going for the Super Bowl and everything like that and they had just won the Super Bowl. And then they're trying to balance like picking for the future. And I, I think learning from mistakes is is a great point here too. But I think like maybe the, the theme of like learning from this mistakes is trying not to balance like current and future needs and like trying to like build around Peyton Manning, but also like build for the future after Peyton Manning um, could be something that, that you can learn from a, a, with these kind of draft classes. I'd be curious to go back and watch Paxton Lynch's college film because we we weren't even yeah we weren't even a podcast at that time. I was I was in Mexico without internet <laughs> access. I didn't know who Paxton Lynch was until I got back, <laughs> and then he was gone like about <laughs> as soon after. I'd just be curious because we'll talk about this in a sec. You've now got the most resources you've given them. I think they traded up for Paxton Lynch. I could be wrong, but you've now traded up for Paxton Lynch and Trey Lance. And they've taken how many snaps for yeah. you? You know, it, it was not a great one to, again, 
it is not all on him. Adam Peters is not the GM. Heck, he wasn't even the assistant GM in Denver. Uh, but still, got to ask these questions. What did you learn? What did you anticipate? What happened? That sort of thing. We'll get into Trey Lance in just a bit. Yeah. Uh, mining for gems. This is arguably what I would say the biggest strength of Adam Peters and his resume. Um, the 49ers have had the best draft record when it comes to day two and day three picks since you joined the 49ers. So the question is, what are the characteristics, traits, numbers, et cetera, that he would look for to prioritize such players on days two and day three over others? This is obviously a big weakness from the Chargers. This would be this is a pretty drastic change of, of this kind of track record. Obviously, George Kittle is in here. You know, there are other players and, and, you know, obviously Brock Purdy is another guy that you could point to here. So I would want to know, like, OK, so what's what's your process on day two and day three? This was what we used to do, you know, if I were the Spanish mm-hmm. family, like, how is this different? And, you know, I think a lot of like these interview processes, too, is like learning as yourself, too. So it's like you've had this awesome success on day two and day three. We have not. What like what are the ideas that you and your your staff are going over? Yeah, the Chargers have found, you know, obviously they found Keenan Allen on day two and they found some good players. You know, they've had some guys that have panned out for a year or two. But the 49ers, not only do they find guys who are arguably the best at their position, but they sustain that for many years. And I think that's so fascinating. Like, what is it about these guys that you look for? When you're getting to the point where some feel it's just dart throws, you know, George Kittle in round five, I, I'd say by about round four, really on day three, it's a dart throw. And yet you're hitting bullseye several, several times. Yeah. Uh, so for them to get, you know, George Kittle, DJ Jones, round six, Fred Werner, round three, DJ Reed, round five, Richie James, round seven, Debo Samuel, round two. Drake Greenlaw, round five. I mean, just on and on and on and on. What is it about these guys? Is it in the interview process? Is it a number? Are you guys, you know, compositing things a certain way to move them up your board? You know, because not everyone who's drafted has a draftable grade by everyone in in the NFL. Not every NFL team has the same board. And you just, you know, it's the same 256. You just order differently. No, some guys have undraftable grades. Yeah. So what is it about these guys that you found that makes them move up for you? Because they've they've not just found good players, but great ones and ones that are great for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, this is like a secret sauce right here. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the Chargers are pivoting to this era where Justin Herbert is going to be expensive. It, it's a similar kind of challenge as not having your first round picks, right? You know, the, the, the 49ers have not been stockpiled with a ton of first round picks and yet they have all of these star players. So, yeah, again... Variety of different reasons. Kyle Shanahan certainly deserves credit for this. The coaches are the ones who develop the players. But at the same time, Adam Peters, as the assistant GM, is in, basically in charge of finding these kind of players and doing the draft and handling the process. And And so I think this is a very important question that I would want answered from him is, is this something that you can replicate? Or was this just kind of lightning in a bottle between you and Kyle Shanahan? And you have a great coach and you have other pieces and things like that. So I, I think it is important to clarify what's his role with this and like what are you specifically looking for? Mm-hmm. All right, so next up is player acquisition. The, the 49ers since 2017 have acquired several you know, star guys, big name guys. So it's Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Chase Young this past year. Is that still possible with Justin Herbert entering this extension? Do you find, I'm sure things will change between now and even in March, like there will be different players on the roster, off the roster. Contracts could look pushed into 2025. They could be completely off the books. We have no idea. But how possible is this? Because it's tight right now. It's not impossible to fix. But if the Chargers, let's say even this season, are really clicking, new head coach, everything's working really well, and you feel like one more player is going to push you, or even the next year, one more player is going to push you, can you still acquire these star players can you acquire a Christian McCaffrey in stride mid-season and really take yourself to the next level? Or is that just something impossible? Because you see the 49ers doing this, but they have never had to pay someone as much as uh, Justin Herbert. I mean, sort of, they had Jimmy Garoppolo for a bit, but certainly wasn't the same contract. And they had Christian McCaffrey now and Chase Young now, but that's on Brock Purdy's contract. Yeah, and I think part of this becomes you know one of the responsibilities of the gm is how you handle contracts how are you able to manipulate the cap these are all important aspects that you know the chargers 
have a, a guy who can negotiate a contract very effectively. They have their own way under Ed McGuire and Tom Telesco of manipulating the cap. The 49ers have had to get very creative in that regard because it's not like they have a ton of cheap players, right? They have a lot of expensive players, and yet they're still going out and getting Christian McCaffrey. They traded for Randy Gregory in this offseason or right before the season started. Not to say that that's gone like super well, but he was on an expensive contract. So how this to me kind of falls under like how do you manipulate the cap to acquire these kind of players? And like you mentioned, is that possible with Justin Herbert and the contract extension? Are we looking at like a extension of the extension for Justin Herbert to try and like figure things out? So, you know, he's been he's been a lot of player evaluations. He's been a lot of like talent evaluations and he's very well recognized for that. But to me, this is like, okay, like what's your role with cap? What's your understanding of this? Do we need to hire a cap guru for you? Like what, like what is your biggest like role or strengths, weaknesses in terms of, of cap and player acquisition here? Yeah. Great call there. Absolutely. Uh, Trey Lance definitely have to ask about Trey Lance when it comes to Adam Peters. The 49ers gave up four picks to trade up to number three to get Trey Lance, and he barely played. He's he, They traded him for like a fourth-round pick to the Dallas Cowboys to be the backup. So the question is obviously, what did you find out later on that you did not anticipate, and how would you or how have you learned from the results of that decision to trade up? It's not uncommon to miss on quarterbacks. It's, it's very common, actually. Um, and you can kind of bucket this into the same kind of thing as Paxton Lynch, but Trey Lance... He was actively involved in this. So what was your role with trading up for Trey Lance? What was your evaluation of Trey Lance? And why did that not work? What's the difference between Trey Lance's evaluation and Brock Purdy's evaluation, who you have objectively hit on? So I think those are all things that you would have to have answers for regarding Adam Peters' candidacy. Yeah, so much can be stemmed from this one situation. Why did you invest that much to begin with? Why were you honestly so sure it's one thing to take a quarterback in the first round. It's one one to even take one and you move up a little bit to take one. But to give up the three firsts and the third round pick is a lot. And you had to be so sure about a player that barely played and barely had legitimate drop back opportunities in college. So how how were you so sure and why? What did you not anticipate happening? You, you did your research. You did your interviews. Like They did all the homework. So what popped up? Why was it not the fit that you were hoping for? Did you find out that when adversity hit, this player was not prepared? Did you find that a personality clash that you didn't really get when you just had the regular, you know, Zoom meetings and that sort of stuff? Um, was it just the the jump in competition? What was it? Because based on investment, you were so sure, and not you as an Adam Peters, sure. The 49ers were so sure. What happened? What did you learn from that decision? And, and that's really what I want. Like, what, what did you learn from this? It's over. Trey Lance is not your quarterback. It's not the quarterback in the, for the 49ers. He won't be your quarterback here for the Chargers. But what did you learn yeah. about that investment? What did you not anticipate that maybe you would next time? Yeah, and I think, you know, there will be takes about Adam Peters and his track record with quarterbacks. But at the same time, Mr. Irrelevant is an MVP candidate. So... I, I think that also gives him a lot of leeway. And so I would be very curious as an objective, you know, fan of football, what are the differences of how you evaluated Trey Lance and how you evaluated Brock Purdy? Because it's not like they plan on Brock Purdy to come in and be the backup. Like Kyle Shanahan has said, they evaluated him as like a potential starting quarterback at some point down the road. Okay. So how was that different? And I guess, why did you ultimately decide on Trey Lance when, if you had these concerns, were there concerns or was this just kind of like, we felt like we needed a quarterback and needed to take a swing. The whole process around Trey Lance, I think would definitely need to be asked about at the mm -hmm. same time compared to Brock Purdy. Like what worked with Brock Purdy that didn't work with Trey Lance. Yeah. And what are your contingency plans? If you're going to be aggressive and do these things, what were the contingency plans? Did you know you would take a quarterback in the subsequent draft? That sort of stuff. Like what, if this didn't work out, what was your backup plan? Yeah. And I guess it worked, whatever it is. It, it is it is the worst trade I could possibly think of in terms of a draft day trade. And it, they're they're going to potentially win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. So next one, uh, the state of the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I would love to ask this question. And now we're starting to 
move towards Chargers specific. Are the Chargers in your eyes in a full rebuild or are they just needing a few you know, adjustments here and there? And then is cap hell real? Can you get out of this? I would be very curious what a GM candidate, how these external candidates feel about the Chargers. Are they a team that can get fixed in the next year and make the postseason? Or are they a team that they have to tear everything down and it's going to be try to win some games next year, but really we're looking to 2025, 2026. How fast can you turn this around? Does it need to be turned around fast? Can it? Yeah, I think, you know, there's all there's strategies of interviews, right? And a lot of interviews that uh, I've had, uh, uh, an interviewer will like print out something and say, hey, like, here's the scenario. How do you solve this problem? And I think this is definitely a situation where I would do that. I would literally print out over the cap and I would say, here's our cap sheet for next year. What are your solutions? How are you evaluating this? And you can obviously, you have different interviews for, for these candidates. Now you can just do the one interview, ask them a few questions and call it good. So, um, you know, you, you can get very specific in these interviews. And this is definitely something that like specifically to Adam Peters, like how would you rebound from this? Because when he and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan all got to San Francisco, the 49ers were not in like cap hell. Like they, they had money, but they were coming off of like the, the Jim Tom Sula era and like the Chip Kelly era, like everything that happened after Jim Harbaugh uh, was kind of a disaster. And the 49ers are a very proud franchise. Right. And so like, how did you build that up? How would that apply to here? Mm-hmm. And the, the cap stuff again, I, I think I would literally print it out for him. And I would say, <laughs> how would you solve this? Where would you start? Mm-hmm. Who's a building block player for you? And what kind of stuff are we, are we really looking at here that you would want to implement? I would love to know what an external candidate feels, who they feel are the building block players. We feel a certain way. We've seen the interviews. We've been at practice. You know, we've talked yeah. to some of the players. Like It's different from someone external who basically has no connection to any of these guys. Who are the building block players and for how long? Yeah, we know he's been super into the draft and everything like that. So what was your scouting report on Justin Herbert? What was your scouting mm-hmm. report on Rashawn Slater? They potentially could have taken Rashawn Slater uh, before the trade up for Trey Lance, but uh, they were writing around that same kind of draft area and could have stuck around and, and drafted Trey Lance Imagine, or Rashawn Slater. Imagine Trent Williams and Rashawn Slater on the same team, man. That would be crazy. <laughs> Who's uh, right tackle? Probably Rashawn. Yeah. Okay. That, that's about, acceptable. That's yeah, we're the one talking time about pre-draft, pre-draft, pre-draft Rashawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one time it's acceptable to switch. You already have Trent Williams. <laughs> yeah. And sure, fine. <laughs> if you have the best left tackle in the sport, <laughs> sure. That would oh, be fun. Man. Uh, right, so ru- go for it. I was going to say, so run game issues. This is definitely something we've talked about. We discussed it on the Chargers channel uh, yesterday. If you missed that, please go check it out. Um, Adam Peters comes from San Francisco. You're talking about the best run game hierarchy, environment, ecosystem, whatever you want to call it, in the NFL. And it doesn't really matter who the coach is. So you're Adam Peters. What's your What's your solution here? The Chargers have not been able to run the football effectively. Uh, basically ever since uh, Philip Rivers was around here. So it's been a minute. Um, Frank Smith almost got there. So how are you going to get this run game over the hump? Um, the team has free agents at tight end one, tight end two, RB1, RB2, and center one potentially at minimum next year. So, you know, is this a coaching issue? Is this a personnel issue? If it is, what kind of attributes are you looking for for the tight ends? What kind of attributes are you looking for the running backs? What kind of process are we looking at for the draft? All of these things, I think, go into potentially hiring a GM because he's the one who's going to have to put together the roster. If you hire Adam Peters, he's the one picking the head coach, probably. And uh, I would love to hear all of his thoughts about that. What was the specific year that Arjun referenced? Was the last 20 years? There, If you exclude the Miami game, the Chargers have had the worst rushing attack since... Let me find it. At least the last decade or so. Like it is the worst rushing attack in quite some time. I wish I had the exact date right in front of me, but uh, it wouldn't surprise anyone. I'm sure everyone would agree it was a terrible rushing attack. The fact that it was the worst over the last 10 or 20 years or whatever it was is astounding. So how do you go about fixing this? Would you have a fullback? You know, they've operated quite a bit with Kyle (laughs) Juszczyk at the 49ers. Would you have a fullback? Uh, Is there anybody out there? Would you draft one in the seventh round? And said Arjun into, I don't know, a raging fit. <laughs> so it was since 2012. Uh, so the official stat from Arjun is that if we remove the outlier week one performance against the Dolphins, 
The Chargers rush offense this season is the worst rush offense of the past decade. So it's a long time. That's a lot of rushing offenses, and that's not great. <laughs> I watched Kalen Balazs run a halfback dive 40 times a game, and that was still better than the Chargers this past season. I mean, yeah. I feel like we've seen so many bad Chargers. Watch Jackie Battle be the lead running back against like the <laughs> Titans in 2014, and this offense was still somehow worse than that. Like, how, yeah. this was so bad. And it really should never have been this bad. Like, yes, that there was there were definitely some personnel issues, but you know, this is obviously not a great look for Kellen and what he was mm. supposed to bring. So, um, again, this is like somebody like him who is such an important talent talent evaluator. It is like his biggest and best attribute. Like, how do we turn this thing around? And it, it, it's not as simple as like draft better players. Like. There are specific things that you're like looking for, and the 49ers have been on the cutting edge of the run game every single year. You know, they they obviously the Shanahan system is predicated on like this outside zone play action approach. That's not really what the Shanahan guys are doing anymore. It's a lot of gap and power personnel. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I think, has the most rushing attempts in duo right now of any running back in the league. And they've completely flipped, you know, they they've managed to change again this is obviously kind of Kyle Shanahan but it's like you're there every day with Kyle what are what would you bring to the Chargers that you could that you have learned from Kyle in terms of personnel and coaching and all of these things that we need to apply to fix this run game and get it back on track mm -hmm. all right up next is avoiding stagnation I, I couldn't think of who to put here so I put Dean Spanos um the NFL it's constantly looking for something new and to reimagine the chargers have said as much They're looking to reimagine what it means to be a gm and sure we all want the next howie roseman you know whatever but what's after that don't just tell me what you're going to do to replicate what's already been successful what is the next thing where should we be looking what's going to be different how are you going to put your stamp on things that's what i'd like to know not just what makes you know what are you are going to do to do what everybody else does but what are you going to do to make the Los Angeles Chargers different? Yeah, I think it's it's avoiding a copy paste because a lot of these GM guys who get hired, they try and do the thing where they came from, but it, it it's your own vision, right? Like all of us get hired into new positions and we try and make things our own. The guys who are successful in, in terms of personnel usage and GM and roster construction, I think have their own twist on things. So here in the Chargers, like he's not going to have John Lynch. You're going to be running the show. What are you able to do to get us into the next stage of things? I think is, is a super important question to ask. Yes, absolutely. And it's not Bill Belichick. That's <laughs> the opposite. Yeah, you came here late. You can go back and watch the first 20 minutes. <laughs> that is the opposite of new age. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Alignment. How do you communicate with the offensive and defensive coordinator? if at all, to get the right players to fit their systems. This is such an important attribute. Definitely something that has been missing from the Chargers roster recently. You know, you hire Joe Lombardi, Kellen Moore, Darius Swinton, Ryan Ficken, Derek Ansley, everybody, uh, Ronaldo Hill, all of the coaches are looking for specific things, specific players, specific play styles to fit their systems. And that has not really happened with the Chargers. It's been a lot of developmental projects and things like that. And this is definitely something that I think the Niners have done a great job. Like we talked about day three guys, Elijah Mitchell came in as a rookie and ran for 900 yards because he was like, this is my guy. This is the attribute. This is the, like, it just fit perfectly. Mm -hmm. I feel like that very rarely has happened with the Chargers. And so I would want to know, how involved are you with those conversations with Kyle, with those conversations with they've had like seven different defensive coordinators over the last few years and defense <laughs> continues to just hum on all levels. Mm -hmm. That's not just coaching. That's not just Kyle Shanahan. Adam Peters and John Lynch have to have a role there. And I would want to know how big is that role? What is your communication habits like? Is that all off season stuff? Is that in season mm -hmm. stuff? That alignment is so important. And that's definitely something that, I have learned watching the last few years of Chargers football is that alignment has to be up and down the Chargers board. It can't just be GM head coach. It has to be coordinators, has to be position coaches. Everybody has to get involved here. 
Yeah, as I said on the Chargers channel, the Chargers' last nine skill position players on offense averaged 10 yards per game in their rookie seasons. Uh, that's not good enough. <laughs> that is not no. good enough at all. No. Sure, Xander Horvath is part of that. Trey McKitty <laughs> is part of that. But it also includes Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer, and you know, some of these other guys. Got to be better than that. Got to be better than 10 total yards per game. 100%. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I think that's a really cool way to evaluate these GM prospects. If we had the time, we would do it for other guys. But Adam Peters is kind of the, the poster child. So we felt like we would dive into his resume in this format and uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fun. I, I didn't want to just do the, okay, here's the great things about all the candidates and let's move on. Like, no, let's let's dive into this. How are you going to fix this? Let's, you know, we talked about the candidates. We've talked about the chargers. Let's put those two things together. How do you fix the chargers? How, what are your weaknesses, your strengths, that sort of thing? Yeah, so that'll be fun. And, and we're working on something for you guys to try to get something fun, a different behind the scenes perspective of you for, you know, for you guys. It should be fun in the next week or two. So uh, stay tuned. Yes, 100%. I would just be curious uh, for those people out there who want experience at head coach. If you could get Adam Peters, would you be okay with Bobby Slowick? If is, is Adam Peters that much of a GM poll that he would, you know, overcompensate for the lack of experience if he hired Bobby Slowick? I'd be very curious about that. I would assume no, because they're very strict on that front. But yeah, uh, Adam Peters, I think, is far and away the gm candidate number one we'd be very mm -hmm. curious to see what kind of ways that he can kind of overcompensate the lack of experience a head coach yeah i'd be curious how people evaluate and weigh and rank both gm and head coach candidates against each other so i think if i asked chargers fans jim harbaugh would be the number one regardless but then after that what is the priority is adam peters your second ranked guy or is it ben johnson or whoever your, your second head coach candidate is what yeah. is more important to you uh, I'd be very curious to know what, what Chargers fans are thinking. Yeah, 100%. Um, that last slide for me, that's the important one that I want to hit on. The alignment is super crucial. That's all I want. I want the GM and the head coach to be on the same page at all times because I think it is such a winning edge to have that relationship uh, from start to finish. Absolutely. Isabel points out, uh, Slowick-Peters combo is favorite out of the ones that we uh, talked about. It's, it's rising up there for me, that's for sure. Yeah. 100%. All right, you guys, a uh, bit of a quicker show today. We tried to be even quicker than that. I don't think we were planning on talking about Bill Belichick for that long. Uh, but it is a, a change that we are going to make in the offseason is, is shorter shows. Um, obviously, uh, Tyler and I both have uh, a lot of stuff going on, and we want to make sure we are getting this stuff out to you in concise and specific content packages. So um, look forward to that. Um, as always, we'll have a lot of stuff on the Chargers channel. Um, we'll have this stuff on our own channel with Alex and Alex and Arjun and everybody. Should be a lot of fun. We appreciate all of you guys for tuning in today. Make sure to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And that's going to do it for us today. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.